Hello, and welcome to a week 10 edition of Establish the Bets. My name is Adam Levitan. Each and every Friday night, I am joined by Matthew Davidow of the huddle of Deck Prism to talk all things betting, sides, and totals this season. For those of you who don't know who Matt is, hopefully by this point you do, but he's on the other side of the counter accepting all bets, big bets, whatever you want to bet. He's there to book your action. Matt, how's it going tonight? Good. Good to see you, Adam. Good to see you as well. I want to start with this game in Germany because Geno Smith versus Tom Brady on a neutral field is sitting there at two and a half. Matt, do you have any apologies to make to Geno Smith? And I assume, I assume that you're shading towards the Bucks side here, but where is the money at on this game? Because it's it's really fascinating. I mean, everybody's left the Bucks for dead, and everybody now is on the Geno train. Yeah, I, I so 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 far the money's on Tampa, but uh, I'm sure there's groups waiting in the wings to uh, catch a couple percent uh, better if the line uh, if the line creeps up. Uh, yeah, I, certainly Geno Smith was playing some ball. You know, last last week in Arizona, he made some seriously clutch third down throw after third down throw. I I I definitely feel uh, thus far the few weeks since I've uh, made my anti Geno stand, I have definitely <laughs> taken the uh, taken the Geno bagel on that one. But the good part is they play more games tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, it's just fascinating to me the whole Geno thing and the whole Brady crumbling thing. It's a really interesting game and throwing that to neutral field. I don't think I really have an opinion on this game. There's so much weird stuff going on, but I do think that it's interesting and for sure Seattle's been underestimated all year by the market speaking of the market i don't know man you know i i saw the josh allen the the bills Vikings seven and a half and i was like that's interesting and that was after josh allen it was already reported that he had ucl injury and i'm seeing seven and a half out there and it was pretty mm-hmm. liquid man i mean you could get 10k 20k no problem early in the week on vikings plus seven and a half line starts coming down six and a half five and a half he misses practice four and a half now we're all the way down to three, which I think is like a Keenum line. Like I, I, my, my thought was Keenum would be like minus two or minus one and a half or something like that. We're sitting here at three. What did you think of all the Josh Allen stuff all week and how the market responded to it and why we're able to bet 10, 20,000 uh, on a spot where it seems like, I don't know. It seemed to me like it was crazy that I, somebody could do that with the elbow situation hanging out there. Yeah, I mean, you know, we talked about this briefly, you know, this afternoon. You mentioned my first reaction was, oh, I hate this, you know, literally, like as a market maker, you're you're not booking the football game. You're booking how bad is Josh Allen's elbow? And I was originally like, yeah, you know, that's just old. But then I was like, you know what? Maybe this is the time. Like, let me say something about this. And I caught this video of, of Josh Allen, like, running off the field as soon as he saw media. I just sort of like pulled my hair out. Not not even as a like as a you know B2B business that supports operators, but you know, even even as a gambler, it's like what do you hide? Like just just tell us. Just tell everybody. Don't don't make us like try to guess it's now it's one thing if like nobody really knows and they just but no some people know whether he's playing. And the people that know it, you don't think they have it. Just it's asking for trouble. It's asking for market trouble. It's asking for integrity trouble. I'm, I'm a proponent of you know in, in the, a rare spot like this where literally the entire bet is will Josh Allen play in the football game? Really, right? Right. Oh, not having the lineup all week, waiting until 
uh, the information is not necessarily known. You know that it could ha- it could like get leaked at any time. Or I mean, heck, some people already know. Well, Why are we doing this like charade? So I, I saw him running off the field, and I, I made a tweet about it. And I, my, my tweet game is not great. Apparently, I'm getting ratioed for it, so it's pretty funny. Well, I I think the point is that like yeah, Josh Allen's a big name, but we've talked tons of times all year about quarterbacks and we don't know if they're going to play or not, you know, all Tannehill, uh, 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 all kinds of guys. I can't even, I can't even think of them all right now, but mm-hmm. it's always like that. So do you think that any time a quarterback, we don't know his status, it should be off the board or only if it's Josh Allen. I think it's a nuanced situation. I think that obviously the more valuable the, the quarterback is, I think, you know, you, you know, as a, as a market maker, what I always ask is what is the likelihood of somebody betting because they just want to make a bet. And the higher that likelihood is in any time, you know, I mean, we're, we're, we're here to serve better. So if a guy wants to make a bet, we want to have a line out for him. But like a situation like this, no, nobody bets. We just spent all of our time researching information, trying to keep, because they'll bet if we get it wrong. As soon as we're behind on the information, of course, you know, that's when they'll bet. And, you know, somebody actually replied to my tweet about, you know, well, what about, I'm not saying the book should get like special information. I just think that if the NFL is going to take gambling money, and they should, I mean, we should all, we should all embrace this awesomeness that is football gambling. It can work in all ways. And they, part of embracing that is being upfront with something like ultra important, like the status of just, just tell us what is the chances of them playing? Tell us what approximate chances are. Tell everybody. Don't don't tell well, just some people. And then there, it, there's some competitive advantage too, right? Like the Vikings preparing for Case Keenum is way different than them preparing for the Bills. So like I don't blame the Bills for not for not telling the Vikings who's starting this game, right? I mean, no, I think the rule should be across the board, you know, for everybody. But I I, I think that the entire league, forget the gambling part of it, is better off if they just basically tell people what the chances are of Josh Allen playing. I, okay. I, I think you're better off. It worked the other way too when, well, <laughs> going back to your point, like if someone like Kirk Cousins is questionable, it's it's worth less. And then not only is it worth less, but a lot of times you kind of know, like even with Tannehill last week, Tennessee was very upfront. They're like, okay, we don't know if he's playing. Here's his injury. He's exactly what he has. He's going to travel. He's going to try it here. We'll know it now. I think that's perfectly fine. As long as it, you know, I want to book that information, you know, and we see the same thing in the NBA day to day. And anytime some people have the information and some people don't, you're just asking for you're asking for your trouble across the market. You can't have a real market experience. And another thing this 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 causes, and I know people, you know, myself included, you know, hate the idea of limiting players at books, but this is the idea that you have to have a lineup. But then if you have someone that, you know, completely does nothing but take advantage of, of software and inside information and you – what are you supposed to do? You, you either limit them because if you want to have the lineup, how can you not? Or you don't put the lineup. Well, here's a third idea. You give everybody the information. You actually have an open market about it without that, you know, I mean, again, I'm back to the NBA. Yeah. Every single NBA information is like leaked in some ways. And here come the bets from, you know, three people over and over and over again. And it's like you can't really do both. You can't offer the product across the board and be able to satisfy the people that are only jamming in every single derivative as fast as they can in any way the software possibly allows them Every time they have, it's hard to do both. I'm saying that we're all better off if we share the, you know, with the information just out there. And 
the people that are good enough to win analyzing the information, they're, they're still going to win. I mean, yeah. I don't think, I mean, I've been doing this 20 years. I don't think I've ever won having information other people didn't have. Oh, I mean, I know many other people who do the same thing, just better, better right. software, better analyzing the information. To me, that's a better game, a better market. Yeah. A better but, world. I, I, you know, I, I have to stick up for people whose edge is in information and is not in, you know, running the best model, right? Like there's a lot of people out there whose edge is literally grinding for information and also understanding injury reports. Like I think that when I was following NBA closely, I thought I could actually guess no inside information. I thought I could actually guess when guys were going to rest and when they weren't. And so like there was an edge there in betting in that, but yeah, I, I, I totally understand what you're saying. I'm curious what you think the line would be if it was announced tonight, Case Keenum is starting what's the line. I I think Case Keenum will start. I think it'll close like one and a half or two. I, I think okay. Minnesota is a slightly better team, you know, particularly it's kind of a one-off. Who knows really what they're practicing for? That's my best guess is this line does have some chance of balance point. The, the, the video from out there practicing actually may give better chance of playing. I, I want to go back to the other point. I am all for people taking advantage of any way they can, getting information, trying to win every way they can. I'm only talking about what I think is like, you know, a broadly, you know, good. I'm not, in sure. any way saying you shouldn't try to like get an advantage gambling by digging into injury reports or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, you know, there's so many old stories like, you know, they used to uh, pick up out of town newspapers before the internet and try to figure out, you know, before the book could, who was playing and who wasn't and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, information is always going to be, people are always going to be going after it. Um, the total in the Chicago bears game is 49. There's some 48 and a half out there. I mean, People have turned on a dime on Justin Fields. I and mean, people are like, Justin Fields sucks. He can't play. He shouldn't be an NFL quarterback. They should change his position, whatever they were saying. Mm -hmm. Now, everybody's like, oh my God, Justin Fields is the best quarterback in the NFL. I, I like Justin Fields. I get the feeling it's kind of gone too far, but he is home against the Lions here. What kind of action are you seeing on the total here between Lions and Bears? It's a bit of big, big two-way on the on the on the total. Definitely, uh, some sharp groups on over, some sharp groups on under. Uh, you know, I, I've always been a, a, a Fields fan. I would have put Fields over Gino before the season for sure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I think a lot of this comes down to are you know are you looking at recent performance for the Bears? Are you looking at you know more longer term performance? There's other more you know trend type factors that you know that I that I think lean lean under in this game. The Bears defense is also is pre pretty bad. So bad, yeah. You know, I mean, the, two of the worst defenses going mm -hmm. up against each other. So I get it, I get it. Uh, but it's gonna be cold, not windy, but it's gonna be cold in Chicago. Uh, Does cold help under or over? I, I thought that. I mean, not uh, extreme cold certainly matters. I don't think forty or thirty five degrees matters, but like I do think that like ten degrees helps under, but. So, on one hand, I think teams play slower and they're more likely to run the ball in cold weather. So, that's all under. On the other hand, have you ever like played football and been hit in cold weather? Yeah. It freaking hurts. And I know when I, I mean, I, when I watch games in cold weather, I think I repeatedly see people not wanting to hit. And that's obviously good for offense. Hmm. So, I think it, it might work some some both ways. I don't know. I I, I definitely see both 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 poles to, to, to cold weather. Even though I think the general narrative is is, is good for under, and yeah. it might be. Yeah, well, this game should be about thirty five degrees. We'll see how the well, winds how the winds, but that 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 right. won't have an effect on the game. Yeah. Um. Okay. I want to ask about uh the Colts. We talked about tanking briefly. I don't want to talk mm -hmm. about the merits of tanking, but I do want to talk about this Colts thing because it does seem like it's either tanking or like full blown meddling from mm -hmm. 
It's Ursay. Jim Ursay just going ham mm-hmm. and being like, well, you're going to bench Matt Ryan. We're going to fire the coach. We're going to have a play caller who's never called plays before. That said, the line is only four and a half. So, uh, and I get the Raiders have been atrocious, but I think it's a really good spot for the Raiders in general, back-to-back road games for the Colts here. What do you think about Raiders, Colts, and what kind of action you're seeing here? I think, I mean, I think it's a good spot for the Raiders too. You know, like, I, I do like a Colts are Ursaying, you know? Yeah. I, I think that hiring Saturday is pretty hilariously, like, bad idea, I guess. I mean, not that I think Saturday has to be a bad coach. I mean, I've said multiple times that I, I don't really see a lot of correlation between, like, I don't I don't think being an assistant coach in the NFL is really, like, experience for being a head coach. Now, maybe being a head coach at a lower level is, but there's such a big difference between the daily job requirements and what the key skills are between assistant coach and head coach. And, heck, I think the biggest skill of a head coach is hiring assistant coaches, for instance. Mm-hmm. So, so I don't know that Saturday has to be a bad coach, but here – comes in from the cold. He's going to have, you know, general like the, the Colts also recently lost their offensive coordinator. You got Parks Frazier, who I don't know, and I'm sure is a very smart, great football mind, et cetera, if he's been given this test. But still, that's the spot. It's like all of a sudden he's gone from, you know, like I, I think he was like Frank Reich's assistant. Again, I don't I don't know him. He, he I don't want to disparage him in any way. I'm sure he's <laughs> fairly earned this. But he's still like 30 years old brand new he's never done this like like think about what some of the teams are doing this week think about what josh mcdaniel's week is this week right i'll bet you he's barely i don't know if he has i'll bet you he's done nothing before i'll bet you he on the plane was already preparing for this game i'll bet you he's doing nothing but trying to prepare his offense to put be in the best situation he's been doing it all week meanwhile what Parks Frazier didn't even know he had the job till Tuesday. I'll bet he spent the first part kind of figuring out, okay, you know, sorry about that. Uh, I Do, think it, go on. I was just going to ask if you think that this is all baked into the line. In other words, are people, uh, is the market actually baking in Reich firing? This guy's the first time calling plays, or would this been the line if Frank Reich was still the coach and everybody was still in place? No, the line would be the, the line would be I think a little bit lower if, if, if this hadn't happened. I think Adam Chernoff, who I have you know, <laughs> a ton a ton of respect for, I think he released the Colts earlier this week. I actually uh, actually asked the the, the right because I was I was very curious. I I like the Raiders, mm-hmm. and I was like I was like okay, well, what was his thinking here? And I, in general, his thinking was wait a second, the Raiders aren't very good at all. <laughs> Yeah, and you know they're laying. I mean, I think he got six. For instance, right. he got six. You know, they're laying six to the Colts. Doesn't make any sense. The Patriots are just five. The Patriots are surely better than the Raiders. But I, I think besides the, the uh, extra coaching stuff, which I think is really the key here. The other thing that I think he, like, I don't want to say missed. Probably plus it might be a good bet. But that where I disagree. I'll put it that way. Is that that game was pretty damning for the Colts. Yeah. <laughs> like the offense was so bad. Like going into that game, I had, you know, I, I watched the Redskins game. I definitely saw spots and plays that Erlinger could have made, was good enough to make, and didn't quite get there versus the Redskins. I actually, I actually had the Colts last week versus the Patriots offense. I had the Colts higher than I had back with Matt Ryan. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, I, I, you know, I think I told you, I thought Reg would probably do the right thing, putting someone that could move, you know, behind his, you know, sieve up an offensive line. Right. But in that game, the Colts were so, so bad. So now you have an offense with a sample size that went from one pretty decent game with a lot of like 
possibilities to now a sample size of two. And the second game was, oh my God, worst thing I've ever seen. Right. And I think that that, even though a small sample wasn't maybe given enough, uh, you don't have credit. And now you add that to a lack a complete stuff. lack of offensive coaching this week. Now Shaq Leonard, who's a very good player, just kind of got back from, he's yeah. out. The Raiders, the Raiders were actually pretty good last week. The Raiders took a lot of money. Was probably right. Jacksonville played a great game to beat them. Probably the best game Lawrence has played. There were so many near misses on passes in the second half to Devontae Adams. One thing interesting that 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 that, that Chernoff said his right up something about they couldn't quite get it without more weapons. I actually saw that a little bit the other way. I saw a ton of close misses by the Raiders in the second yeah. half. Well, and they changed the game plan in the second half too. And Devontae Adams bitched about that. We are expecting a little squeaky wheel for Devontae Adams. A lot mm-hmm. of targets coming his way mm-hmm. this week, I think. Um, the short week, long week stuff. I know this is all baked in, but I'm curious if you think that the market reflects it enough or if it even matters. Saints are in a short week. They played Monday night mm-hmm. on the road. Now Steelers are coming off of a bye, the longest possible rest. So, I mean, certainly the Saints, reasonably tough spot for them. Again, short week, play on Monday night, then go on the road. Pittsburgh on a bye. Do you think that is baked in? Do you think the market underreacts, overreacts to stuff like that? I... I thought here that the market didn't have enough in it. I, I, I thought I thought that I had both those teams pretty close to the market and came out, you know, Steelers, you know, early. And now the, the, the Colts have another shopping list of injuries. Uh, Watt's supposed to be back for Pittsburgh and he says he's gonna play all the plays and <laughs> who's gonna who's gonna who's gonna question question TJ Watt? Maybe you know. Supposedly they're gonna bench Najee Harris and play the back that'll actually. Yeah, I don't. Field. I don't believe that, but yeah. I mean, if you want, I mean, obviously, you've seen the, the the video that was all over Twitter of him like stopping. Oh, he's he stinks, it be, but yeah, it could be time. It could, yeah. it, could, it, could, it could be time to be done with him, and I think that'll make a difference. But <laughs> he might cost him a first out of game. That's right. that's not. Uh, so I I, I I lean Pitt. I think the line will creep a little bit more toward Pitt as well. Okay, yeah, mostly one and a halfs out there. Saints are are favored uh, by one and a half, but yeah, I I thought it's just like the cleanest possible mm-hmm. rest spot for. The Steelers here. Last thing I want to ask about was the Tannehill stuff. So, like you said, they've been somewhat transparent, but I still can't quite get a read off Tannehill is playing this week uh, or not. What we've seen with Malik Willis is he is like the furthest thing from an NFL quarterback right now, <laughs> but he does encourage them to just hand it off on every play. Not that they need more encouragement. Everybody knows it's coming and it still doesn't matter. What do you think about Titans? Currently, Titans two and a half home against the Broncos here well I would say I think it does matter the one one thing I the Tennessee I don't know that I've seen a team like Tennessee in the NFL I don't remember one where they really don't have the talent to compete and yet they just win over I mean they, they just won two games or they covered the game that they won the game yeah. against the, you know the Texans obviously I don't know that it's as easy as hand it off they can't stop I know they had the one big play against KC but it's really the only good play they had and I don't think running against the Defense of the Texans were the Texans were just that was all on them. I think in the in in in, in the first game, you know that uh, that Willis played. Tannehill's going to play. I mean, at least that's what they say. You know, he's got a plant foot ankle injury. If anyone remembers Ben from you know it was four or five years ago, it, it's not an easy injury to play with. Mm-hmm. And and I yeah, I, the point I wanted to make about Tennessee before the show, I've never seen a team like so good without good players. Like you look at their numbers are yeah. good. And there's like no reason they should be good. And uh, what's his name? Uh, 
Oh, Simmons, I'm so bad with these names these days. The their best player, the interior lineman, he played 81 snaps versus the Chiefs. Yeah, that's that's insane. The Chiefs had like 100 snaps on, on Sunday. So right. I do then going back to the rest. So here's the Chiefs. They played Sunday. I mean the the. Tennessee at the Chiefs played 100 snaps on defense. The best player played 81 of them on the defensive line. And now they turn around against a team, uh, Denver, who has had two weeks, you know, rest. Yeah. 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 You're right. That is another spot. spot. Yeah. Right. That is another spot. Yeah. Denver is certainly interesting in this spot. There are some two and a half minus 105s out there on Denver. All right. That is going to do it for this week 10 edition of Establish the Bets. Be sure you are following. Matt at Davidow Matthew on Twitter. James says, Matt, blink twice if you're being held hostage by the C- CIA because uh, you have that light. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny because the last couple of weeks I I turned the light on before before then I didn't catch it. Then we started and I was like, oh, maybe it doesn't look as bad uh, as it does to me. I've been I've been moving, trying to avoid it the whole time. It's, it's funny. Mike, Mike McDonald tweeted today. He's a the really, really, really good uh, poker player and gambler. And he tweeted, how does anyone use more than two monitors? Well, all this light's actually coming from five monitors. And honestly, I wish I had five more. I have yeah. more monitors than barrier in my world. You got to take a picture of your setup one day and tweet it out because if you guys <laughs> see Matt's setup in the same room where his kids are like playing with their toys, he has like no less than 15 TVs to sweat and watch and monitor all these games that he's booking. It's such a ridiculous setup. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, we've said it all. Thank you guys for being here. Appreciate you all. For Matt. For producer Adam. I am Adam. Good luck, everybody. <laughs>